0: Welcome to the third quarter conference call for GWK investment management. This call represents the views and opinions of GWK investment management and does not constitute investment advice, nor should it be considered predictive of any future market performance. On the call today is Harold Kotler, Chairman and Chief Investment Officer, Bill Sterling, Global Strategist, Jim McCarthy, Partner and Director of Private Client Services. As always, I'll turn it over to
1: Harold for some initial opening comments. Well, the world is not getting any easier. And uh, the issues seem to multiply given the elections in China and uh, the coming election in the United States. Given that there's a higher probability that the Republicans will take one of the houses, I think uh, speaks well for the stock market. And the market seems to want to find a bottom. That doesn't mean there's not another lake that we're gonna to have to absorb. And we all know the problems. We could go on and list them out and for item. And they're not being resolved, but also the market has declined enough for valuations are uh, discounting many of those problems. So there may be more problems coming and there may be future declines, but I think we have to keep our focus on really valuations and the opportunity. And interest rates where they are, for the first time in 10 years, bonds are attractive and stock values have declined substantially enough where they start to look very attractive. So even in this very complicated time, I think it's important to have a positive bent.
0: Thank you, Harold. Uh, The first question will be for Bill. Um, You know, on our last call in July, we were in the middle of a rally for both stocks and bonds. And there was a belief that inflation was finally peaking and the Federal Reserve might be able to slow the pace of rate increases. But since mid-August, the Fed has taken a more aggressive stance on interest rates. Inflation has continued to remain elevated and come in higher than expectations. And the equity markets a few weeks ago hit new lows. Um, so, you know, since inflation is really key to the story, could you talk about the areas of inflation that have been most troublesome for the Fed, and can their interest rate increases eventually start to affect these areas?
2: Sure, Jim. Well, I think uh, the concern for the Fed is that most areas of inflation that it monitors have been troublesome recently. The so-called core inflation rate, that excludes the volatile food and energy components, was up to a new cycle high of six point six percent year on year in. Um, September. And uh, that's certainly way above their comfort level of 2%. Um, But it's broad based. It's, you know, whether it's food, new cars, services, shelter overall, or the rent component of that, even medical expenses recently, transportation, you know, there've been a few areas that we've seen declines in like energy and gasoline prices, shipping and used cars, but overall, the surprises have been um, how, you know, persistent inflation has been, and of course uh, the Fed has responded to that by talking about a higher for longer scenario with their interest rate increases. I I guess the only other point I'd make is will the interest rates um, increases start to curb these areas of inflation? I think the answer is probably yes, although probably at the expense of much slower growth, if not um, a recession. So historically inflation has come down very significantly, a couple percentage points at least, Um, in the first year of a recession, Um, and, you know, I think there's something like 60% of economists are now forecasting a U.S. recession over the next 12 months.
0: Thanks, Bill. Um, Turning it over to Harold, uh, you know, looking at interest rates, given where we started the year, I know we're all surprised with where long-term interest rates have gotten to. Uh, Today, two to 30-year treasuries all yield over 4%, the highest levels we've seen since 2008. Um, do you feel this is a buying opportunity for higher quality bonds and what would you say to investors who are buying shorter term uh, securities such as T-bills versus buying longer term
1: bonds today? I guess I would do both. Um, one of the great 11th commandment is higher interest rates will hurt the economy and sooner or later loan rates will come down as well short. Um, not knowing how far, how fast, when, and that short rates are yielding 4% as is long rates. I think one has to be careful not to get too in love with short rates because if I go back to my career, there are many times the rates were incredibly attractive on the long end, but people didn't participate, believing that to keep on going higher and higher and higher, and which of course is not the case. Sooner or later they stopped and they come down, and they have to come down as the Fed puts the pressure in the economy. So I would say that if you straddle both markets and not bet on one or the other, and as long rates continue to rise, if they do, you continue to put more money into the long end of the market. Look, this may be the last real opportunity to lock in long rates, because if we go back to a very slow economic growth pre-COVID, the rates, long rates could come down back to one or 2% and the 4% or 5% you're about to see may not reappear for a very long time, if in our lifetime. So and don't don't be too cute and put all the money in short rates.
0: Thanks, Harold. Um- on that note, I'll go back to Bill. Um, you know, The hope is that the Federal Reserve pauses raising rates in early 2023, though if inflation doesn't come down, they might have to continue further. When they do pause, what generally happens to long-term interest rates? And the second part of the question, Bill, um, if we get into a recession and the Fed has to keep short-term rates high, you know, could we expect a more dramatic inversion of the yield curve?
2: Well, Jim, I went back and looked um, all the way back to the early 80s. There have been about six episodes when the Fed was raising rates and then finally um, you know, made the final rate hike. And following that final rate hike, on average, long bond yields declined by about a fifth from their initial level. So if they were 5%, they went down to 4% and so on. So I think that's probably something you could expect to see uh, in this cycle as well because you know, kind of getting to what Harold was saying, though, The long end um, is, you know, will front run to some extent where it thinks the Fed's going to have to go to to eventually respond to economic weakness, to lower inflation with rate cuts in the future. Um, So, you know, the second part of your question, if we get into a recession, but the Fed has to keep short rates high, um, could the yield curve become um, dramatically inverted? I think the answer is yes there. I mean, there's a scenario that says the Fed takes rates to 5% and keeps them there. Uh, for most of of next year, but if the economy is weakening amid that, the long bond could easily rally to you know three and a half percent or three and a quarter. So you'd have a big inversion of the five percent short rate, five percent Fed funds rate, you know, versus a, a long bond that could be one hundred and fifty basis points or more or lower um, yield. That uh, would not be unusual at all to see in a recession scenario.
0: Thanks, Bill. Um, back to Harold. Uh, you know obviously, equity markets are pricing in a higher and higher probability of recession, and the labor markets have been a key part of the inflation story. Uh, once again, this month, we had a strong job gains and elevated wage inflation. Um, as the Fed raises rates, the expectation is that unemployment will rise and this will help the inflation picture. Do you agree this is the right approach? and you know is is high inflation a bigger risk than having higher unemployment in the long run?
1: Well, obviously, we have to control inflation, but we have a monetary policy that's restrictive, and a fiscal policy that is a stimulant. So yeah, you know, they're working at tooth at opposite our ends of uh, the economic uh, probability. So they're not in, they're not working as a team, which is too bad. I think the the unemployment issue is really a problem because there are people still looking for jobs and uh, and the ones they ha- are working want higher wages because they're hard to replace and we can't afford to let uh, our good employees leave. I, do, I wrote about this in my last quarterly letter. I think margins will be affected at the operating level. But I think the X factor that we haven't dealt with before is so, so many people still looking for jobs and their expectation and the ability to spend money. And the service industries are really rolling along pretty well. There's a lot of pent up demand after COVID. So this is really a, a complicated time. And if the federal government keeps on throwing money at the populace, and while the Fed keeps on tightening, uh, we're working at, at different odds, and which is too bad. And I think this is the problem that is really
0: undefinable. Um, sticking with the labor markets uh, and, and over to Bill, we frequently hear that changes in the labor market will, will lag Fed policy. Maybe you could comment, then historically, how has the labor market reacted to interest rate increases? How long does it take to react? And then maybe just comment on what is the Fed's stated goal right now?
2: Uh, well, Jim, it's been pretty clear in the past that there have been long, but also variable lags between when interest rates become restrictive and when you finally see the unemployment rate uh, start to go up. Um, I, I think on average, it's been about a year after a yield curve turns inverted, as it is now, uh, between when the unemployment rate starts to rise uh, significantly. Um, so, um, but it's it's ranged from a year to almost two years, for example. And, um you know late 2005 the yield curve inverted due to fed rate hikes but it wasn't until almost the end of 2007 that unemployment started to rise uh very significantly and the economy then formally went into a recession so you know that's a little bit of history but when i think of where the fed what the fed's telling us what they think is likely to happen now is um in their latest fomc projections uh, as of mid-september uh, they felt that by the end of next year, the unemployment rate would rise uh, to three to 4.4% from a current rate of 3.5%. And that's pr- as close as you can imagine the Fed saying that a recession is going to be quite possible because every time in the past, according to their own research, when the unemployment rate has risen a half a percent from its low, um, you've ended up in recession. And sometimes, you know, when it raises half a percent, it goes up one and a half or even 2%. So what they're telling you is they'd like a soft landing, they'd like it to go to 4.4%, but they wouldn't be surprised if it went to 5.5% or even 6%. Um, and I think that certainly would do a lot to bring down wage inflation and bring down overall core inflation.
1: Yes, um, Bill, but that also makes the federal government very uneasy in given their willingness to spend money and that goes back to my earlier point. If we had six percent unemployment, would the, the federal government be throwing money into the system to bring down the unemployment level, i.e then fueling inflation once again, and once again, working at odds with each other. And I'm not sure that either either party has the uh, chutzpah, to really hang in there with high unemployment and allow inflation to come down and unemployment to be at that level. And that's where I think the rubber may meet the road and really where tensions really may be created.
2: Yeah, I agree, Harold. And I think that's gonna depend a lot on the composition of the new Congress going forward, whether it's you know divided or
1: not. But both parties have been very willing to spend money Neither party has been constrained. um, The Trump Republicans, as well as the Biden Democrats. So I'm not sure that uh, when they want to solve the problems uh, of, they don't want anybody to be hurt, especially looking for a presidential election in two more years. It's going to get, it could get very complicated. Agreed. Um, moving
0: over to the equity markets, uh, Harold, you mentioned a little bit of this before, but um, you know we've seen the s and p down as much as twenty five percent this year. The NASDAq down almost thirty five percent, but resilient labor markets, strong consumer, strong balance sheets, banking system looks like it's in good shape. Do you feel much of the damage has been done in regards to equities if we even if we're in a mild recession at some point in the next six months? How do you define much? <laughs> uh,
1: damage has been done. There's always more damage to be had. I've seen markets down 40, 50%. But to your point, uh, a lot of the structural issues in this country are strong, i.e. banking, savings rate. Uh, Corporations have very low debt or if they have debt, low interest rates. Um, So things are not, it's not a financial crisis that we've had in the past. So intuitively, I think you're right. I think we're certainly closer to the bottom than, uh, than has been the case, of course. And you know, maybe we have another five or 10% to go, but I think it'd be very dangerous to get out of the market. And if you're out of the market, I think uh, it's, you have to move slowly to reinvest. Um, you can't be a hero here and you have to be diversified. Um, But as everybody knows, I'm a believer in capitalism and the system. And even with poor government and impossible problems, we seem to get through at some point in time. And valuations are incredibly attractive. Even if earnings come down, they still seem attractive.
0: Thanks, Harold. Um, Over to Bill and, on Harold's last comment there during this year investors have been expecting corporate earnings to weaken and over the past few months there have been revisions to the downside but you know we're in the third quarter earnings right now a few weeks in are we seeing any significant weakening
2: they've been pretty resilient so far you know we've had about a quarter of the S&P 500's market cap report so far and the earnings are beating estimates by about 3% with uh, roughly two-thirds of companies topping the projections. So, you know, at that pace, it looks like um, EPS is uh, likely to be up about 5.5% on a year-on-year basis, uh, which is not bad and which is, you know, consistent with expectations over the next year of sort of mid-single digits growth and earnings. Those may be too high. Um, You know, there is no doubt that revisions for 2023 um, are starting to fall, but nothing too dramatic yet.
0: Thanks, Bill. Uh, I'm going to stay with Bill for the next question. Um, overseas, you know, looking overseas, with the war in the Ukraine continuing and um, inflation running even hotter than in the U.S. Can you give us an update on the economic conditions in Europe, and maybe also comment on the ex- how they expect to handle the energy crisis heading into the winter?
2: Well, clearly, um, Europe is facing a big challenge because of the cutoff of natural gas exports from Russia, and um, so they've had a big uh, increase in energy prices, especially on the natural gas side. Interestingly, since late August, those natural gas prices in futures markets have come down about 65%, but they're still up six times from where they were in early 2021. So there's still an energy shock going on, but the good news is they've been making progress. Um, They've pretty much uh, filled up all of their liquid natural gas storage facilities pretty much to the brim um, to get ready for this coming winter. And weather has been thankfully warmer than usual so far, so they're probably pretty well positioned uh, to handle this crisis heading into the winter. But there's no doubt, as you mentioned, the inflation uh, in Europe has accelerated pretty dramatically. It's running for the whole eurozone 10% year on year, and that means the ECB um, is, you know, basically now uh, raising rates pretty much at the same pace uh, as the Fed, and uh, needs to be working as hard as possible to. Curb inflation.
0: Thanks, Bill. Uh, final question for Harold, and you've, you've talked about this a little bit through the call, um, but heading into the midterm elections, you know, other expectations for the House and the Senate, and, and what do you think markets really want to see here?
1: Well, I think markets love a divided government. Um, unfortunately, that states that markets don't think government and behaves in a consistent, productive way. And uh, they want less rather than more, which is a, state, a very sad statement. I think that is the case. And the probability of getting divided government is probably pretty high. Um, I don't know which way it's gonna go, but certainly it's gonna uh, have an impact. And each, each, the local elections are probably more important Uh, who wins Then which body wins Uh, there's some pretty outrageous people running and hopefully they get defeated but that'll give a telltale of 24 which of course everybody those are the tea leaves that people need to read and um, you know we're all getting tired of the angst that exists in Washington to the extremes of both sides and um So I think the market, uh, as I said, would like a divided government, and I think they'll get it.
0: Thank you, Harold, and thank you, Bill. That concludes our call for this quarter. I want to thank our clients for listening. As always, please do not hesitate to reach out with further questions.